uh, that uh, they ask him every single day, is today church day? And uh, boy, I know it's a happy day in the, in the Rasnick house when it is church day, right? Amen. Praise God. Uh, I want you to take your Bible with me and open up to the book of Psalm, chapter number 19. Psalm 19, and when you find Psalm 19, if you would please stand one last time for the reading of God's Word. Stand if you're able. We do appreciate everyone that's come today. Now it's time for the preaching of God's Word. Psalm chapter number 19 and verse number 1. The Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout, uh, through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Read these last three words with me. Enlightening the eyes. Father, help us, I pray now, as we open up your word. I pray that you'd guide me, fill me with your spirit. God, cleanse me from sin. Use me as your vessel, I pray. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's come today. Father, speak now as we uh, dive into your word and into this new year. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I appreciate you standing in honor and reverence for God's word. Here in Psalm chapter number 19, David writes the psalm. And he, uh, he starts out by saying the heavens declare the glory of God. He starts out by talking about revelation through creation. He said, man, when I look up at the stars in the, in the sky, I see the glory of God. When I watch the sun rise every single morning, I'm reminded of God's faithfulness. Um, I, I, I don't know about you, but every single day I'm alive, I see that God is still God, and He keeps this thing spinning because of His faithfulness uh, and because He's a, uh, he's a wise creator. Uh, he's, a, he's a good God. He's a good Father. Um, you just look at the world around you. And that's what David says here in the first half of Psalm 19. He said, boy, when I look at creation, uh, boy, I'm just taken back by God's handiwork. And uh, he says, man, it's like the sun that shines and, and it declares the glory of God. And it allows us to see the world around us. That's what the sun does, right? But then he turns the corner and he says, the law of the Lord. The statutes of the Lord, the testimonies of the Lord. Uh, like as the sun shines and allows us to see the world around us, my friends, so does the word of God. Uh, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the word of God, you know what it does? It declares. It, it shines. It reveals. It does this. It enlightens our eyes. C.S. Lewis said that um, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. The vision and the burden that God has given me for this year is born right out of the Word of God. 
My prayer and what I believe to be God's desire for His church, for this church in 2020, is to enlighten our eyes. I believe this is our greatest need in 2020. I'm going to challenge you with this all year long, all right? Y'all might get tired of hearing me say, enlighten our eyes, God, but it's the vision that God has given me. I think a lot could be said about growth. Right? I think a lot could be said about being, being committed and, and growing and, or, or some other virtue in our Christian life that we could focus on. But I believe that those things will flow out of first seeing properly. Would you agree with me there? Hey, can you do me a favor? Would you turn over to your neighbor and say, get your eyes checked? Get your eyes checked. Well, you've got to be nice about it when you say, you know. You know, not like, oh, get your eyes checked. What's wrong with you? Get your eyes checked. You know, when I was, uh, before I was a pastor, I, uh, I drove a big concrete pump truck and I loved it. And uh, um, I, had to, I had to take a DOT physical every year. And, you know, at, at, at these physicals, they take your blood pressure and they measure your neck and all kind of stuff. It's weird. And uh, one thing they do is a vision screening. You know, where they, uh, they have you stand on this point and then look at the letters on the wall. How many of y'all are familiar with what I'm talking about, right? It's like F-T-P-L-O. It's getting fuzzy on that third line kind of thing. Well, thankfully, I have 20-20 vision. I, I've, every time I've gone, I've done well. I thank God for the vision that he's given me. How many of y'all, every time you have a vision screening, it's like, all right, put one hand over your eye. It's like, I'm blind, man. There's no way I can see that. And then so you do, you do this number, and you're like, man, I still can't see that. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You just don't know what to do, right? You can't see very good. And um, when I would go, man, and do these vision screenings, it was, it was good, and I felt good um, about it. And uh, one time working in concrete, it really scared me, Brother Vernon, because I was, I was all, all the time had to wash my, uh, my truck out, and one time, a piece of sand jumped up, hit me right in the eyeball. I was irresponsible, not wearing glasses, uh, safety glasses, you know. And a piece of sand jumped up and hit me in the eye. And, uh, and I looked in the mirror, and man, that little booger was right in my pupil. And so I went, I went immediately to the, to the eye doctor, and, uh, and he put some dye on my eye and, and uh, basically plucked the thing out, uh, that, that little piece of sand. And, um, hey, man, no harm, no foul. I can see... Fine, praise God, nothing happened to my eye. Well, I got going down I-95 up from Richmond, and uh, about that time, I'm like, doing that number. That's right, I'm in the left lane, you know, doing my normal thing on 95. And, uh, and about that time, my, you know, my, my vision's getting blurry. And I'm freaking out, man. I can't stand it. I'm like, uh-oh, I'm losing my eyesight. I got 20-20 vision. What's going on? I'm going to have to wear glasses. I'm going to have to get my eye replaced. What's going on? So I called the doctor and he said, look, man, it's normal. It's okay. There's going to be some inflammation and there's going to be a little bit of blurriness, but it'll go away. It's all right. It's just because of the trauma to, to your eye. And thankfully, my, my vision did return. And I know that uh, one day, though, as I get older, um, I, uh, my vision, my physical sight will, will eventually diminish. And, um, you know, it happens for all of us. I mean, some sooner than others. Ronnie's holding up his glasses to me. Our physical sight diminishes as we, as we get older. And, you know, after you're born, after your natural birth, you're, uh, you get great sight, but then, man, it doesn't, you know, it diminishes. It goes downhill. But after you get born again, after you're, after you're born after the Spirit, after you're regenerated, our sight doesn't, uh, doesn't diminish. It should increase. It should, uh, it should get better and better. 
And, um, you know, I thought about this when, um, uh, when my physical sight diminishes. Uh, that's all right because if I can still see spiritually, if I still have an increase in my spiritual vision, well, that's really all that, all that matters. Did you know that there's a difference between physical sight and spiritual sight? There's a difference between a physical sight and spiritual sight. Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 17 says this. Give it to me, Jordan. Says uh, Paul writes, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a, a far uh, more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hey, the stuff, the struggle, the things I'm going through, it's working some glory for me. And he says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but, but the things which are not seen are, help me church, what are they? They're eternal. Hey, can I ask you a question? How can you see what can't be seen? How can you see what can't be seen? Uh, notice what Hebrews eleven twenty seven says. Uh, this is talking about Moses. And Moses says, by, fa- uh, by faith, Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, I mean, I'm not the brightest crown in the box, but how is that possible? Because there's a difference between physical sight and spiritual sight. Maybe you can't see because you're not looking with the right set of eyes. If you want to understand and, and realize, maybe it's time you start looking with real eyes. I know that's a big time revelation there, but boy, I've really thought about that. Man, look with some real eyes and then you'll realize some things. And I'm not talking about those amazing instruments that are sitting inside of our skull that, that uh, uh, receive light and then translate it into our physical reality, I'm talking about that amazing part on the inside of each and every one of us that has the ability to receive light from God and translate it and understand it as spiritual reality. Psalm uh, 18 and verse number 28, the the chapter just before David writes, and he says, uh, For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Uh, Proverbs 20 and 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So David says, uh, Thou wilt light my candle, O Lord. Thou wilt enlighten my darkness. Where I can't see, God, you're going to light my candle. My candle? What are you talking about, my candle? The candle of the Lord is the spirit inside of you, searching all the inward parts that nobody else can see. Didn't Jesus say, um, uh, who takes a candle and hides it under a bushel, right? Uh, So let it shine. Boy, that thing about a candle, you've got a candle on the inside of it. And so our prayer, our desire, just like David and just like Paul, just like Moses, seeing him who was invisible, if we're going to see and understand, our prayer and focus must be this. God, enlighten our eyes. See, when we talk about seeing things, Sometimes we can have the wrong perspective, right? We can have the wrong perspective. Sometimes we don't see things properly. When we speak of a particular point of view, 
right? That, uh, that, uh, uh, that worldview that someone has, um, an evolutionary worldview, a Christian worldview, uh, any other worldview you want to put out there, it's a, it's a perspective, it's a point of view. And what that is referring to is that person's opinion, right? It's referring to their opinion and their perspective, the way they see it, right? The way they see things. And sometimes this view or this opinion doesn't always match reality in an accurate way. Right? The way we see things isn't always the way they truly are. As a Christian, I ought to see things the way God sees them. As a church, we should view things the way God views them. Our opinion should be the same as God's opinion. Right? However, you and I, we have uh, you know those little Snapchat filters that all you... Ladies like to put little cat ears and little makeup and all that kind of stuff on. And all the young kids are doing it too. I don't, I don't know about it. There's all these kinds of filters and things you can put uh, uh, through these pictures and, and it will adjust someone's view and someone's perspective. It will, uh, you can put on a set of lenses and it will change the way you view something. You can look at something from a different perspective and it will change how you feel about that thing altogether. See, there's a a lot of filters and lenses and perspectives in each and every one of our lives that needs to be adjusted. It needs to be changed. Man, it needs to be cleaned out. You need to get your eyes checked. There's a lot of factors that contribute to the way we look at things. I loved um, this one movie I saw. It's called uh, Augie. Anybody ever saw that movie, Augie? I'm sorry, is it Wonder? Okay, the little boy in his was, was Augie. I thought it was named Augie. It was about this, shows you how well I remember it. Um, it was about this young boy that was born with a deformity. And man, his face was, um, he had a lot of surgeries and things to kind of like reconstruct. Okay, so I'm telling it right. Okay, good. I only remember one line and I'm about to get to it. But you know, Augie had all these deformities and he was made fun of in school and he would wear a space helmet because he was insecure about it and whatnot. And he would get picked on and bullied all the time. And uh, the principal sat down uh, with this bully and with Augie one day, and, uh, and he's talking to the young man that was picking on Augie, and he said, you know what, Augie can't change the way he looks, but we can change the way we see. And I thought, boy, wow. There's a lot of things in, in life that we want to, or, or, or we make judgments about based on the way they look. But could it be that our sight, our perspective, uh, what, how we see things is what needs to be changed? See, it's not so much the, the object that we see that, that, uh, that the issue is with. It's how we see the object. I want to see the way God sees I want to see the way God sees. And you know, God says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, He said, the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Uh, Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. He said, don't don't look at his outward appearance, look at his heart. I don't see like y'all see. And and my friend, my prayer, my heart, my desire for our church, uh, God's desire for our church is that we would see things the way he does. Did you know that God sees things the way they really are? God sees things the way they really are. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse number 13 tells us this, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and and opened unto the eyes of him 
with whom we have to do. You know, that word manifest means it's clear to him. It's obvious. There's, there's no hiding. There's no veiling. It's out in the open for God to see plainly. And, uh, you know, the verse right before it, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper uh, than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the, somebody help me, the heart. Verse 13 now says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hey, you could say it like this. God calls them like he sees them. Know anybody like that? Calls them like he sees them. Preacher, I just call them like I see them. Hey, uh, yeah, I know, I know some people like that. And it might be that our perspective needs to be changed. But when it comes to God and his perspective, his opinion, God calls them like he sees them because you want to know why? God sees things the way they really are. God sees things as they really are. So, so what does this mean for us practically? What does this mean for us individually? What does this mean for us as a church? When you see as God sees, you'll do as God says. When you see as God sees, you'll do as God says. That was what one preacher said. I like the reverse order of that. When you do as God says, by obeying Him by faith, you'll see as God sees. Isn't that, isn't that what we read in Psalm chapter 19 and verse number 8? The commandment of the Lord. What He says. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So when you see as God sees, you'll do as God says. But when you do as God says, you'll see as God sees. So when we obey Him by faith and, and, we, and we walk according to His word, that's when He enlightens our eyes. Paul said it like this. For we walk uh, uh, not by, excuse me, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? And so the plea for God to enlighten our eyes in 2020 is really a call for an increase in faith. It's really a call for growth and improvement and change. Uh, how many of y'all would just, uh, don't raise your hand, but would say, you know what, I have looked at some things wrong in my life and I want to change that. You know, I've got some lenses, I've got some filters, I've got some perspectives that I have that aren't really the way God sees things, and I want to change that this year. My friend, that's my prayer. This year, I believe God wants to stretch us. I believe God wants to move us out of our comfort zone. I believe He wants us uh, to see as we should so we can do as we should. When we see as God sees, we'll do as God says. So when God enlightens our eyes to see as He sees, I believe it will affect three main areas of our life. I'm going to give you these and then uh, we'll go to the house. But three main areas of our life, I believe we need God to enlighten our eyes for how we view, number one, the circumstances we're in. We need God to enlighten our eyes to the circumstances we're in. Hey, how do you view your job? I was talking with someone this past week and boy, they don't view their job very well. And I feel for them and I hurt for them. But it's more than just your fulfillment of what you like to do and what interests you. It's more than just a means of providing uh, for your physical needs. Among other things, your job is a way of equipping you. It's a way of uh, exposing you to other people. For what? 
Why do you have the job that you do? Why are you exposed to the situations at your workplace that you are? Why do people come across your path every single day? I can tell you this, it's, it's so you can witness for Christ. It's to teach you and to grow you. God puts you through these circumstances, these trials, these hardships. It's to teach us and to grow us. Hey, how do you view your job? How do you, how do you view your hardships? How do you view the loss of your job? That's a hardship so many of us go through or have been through, have seen families go through. How do you view the loss of a loved one? How do you view the loss of a loved one? How do you view your cancer? Some of y'all wouldn't be in church if it weren't for cancer. See, these are circumstances. God needs our eyes to be enlightened so we, we can see these things the way that He sees them. So that we can see why we're, why we're going through what we're going through. Why we're facing what we're facing. Hey, uh, we need God to enlighten our eyes to our circumstances and to our trials. How do you view your trials? Hey, ask Jonah what, uh, how he viewed that whale that swallowed him up. Right? He was running from God, but God sent that whale and swallowed him up. And, and uh, he was able to fulfill God's purpose for his life because God was merciful and sent a circumstance so that Jonah could fulfill his destiny and be the prophet that God called him to be. But man, I bet it was stinky in that whale's belly. Amen. I'm talking about the circumstances. They ain't always comfortable, are they? But we need God to enlighten our eyes so that we can see uh, His purpose behind them. And my friend, I would not pretend for one second to know what it's like in every one of your situations. And I'm not in any way belittling the struggles that we go through or the strenuous effort it took for you to obtain the career you're in. Those are all tremendously important things. But they're all circumstances. It's important that we... Learn to see them for what they truly are. They're circumstances. They are temporal occurrences and things that have a very definite purpose. God has signed off on every little detail. Did you know that? uh, Do you believe that? God has signed off on every single detail. Uh, When the dogs got on your nerves last night because you were feeding them uh, supper and one was cramping up and then, uh, you know, just... I'm talking about my circumstances, right? All of that stuff. It's so that God can teach us. He can grow us. It's all got a purpose. I believe this, um, that uh, some people view their job as their life. Some people view their woes and their illnesses as the story of their life. But, but, but they're just circumstances. Superintended by a sovereign God for a very specific and meaningful purpose. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I know what the purpose is either. Okay, I'm not God. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you uh, what the purpose is. But I know this, it has a purpose. It has a purpose. Those circumstances that you're going through, they have a purpose. And God can and God wants to use it to bring you and closer to Himself. How many of y'all believe the promise in Romans 8.28? How many of y'all familiar with that one? Uh, uh, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good? See, see, the circumstances that God puts us in, they have a purpose. And, and, and my question to you this morning is, how do you view your circumstances? 
I heard a quote recently about circumstances. Uh, it was uh, by a guy that's a lot smarter than me. I think his name is Jonathan Hoover. Uh, he said this. He said, stop wishing out of your circumstances and start working within. Stop wishing you were out of them and they were changed and, and it wasn't like this. Stop wishing out of your circumstances and start working within. You can't change your circumstances, so stop trying. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Hey, how many of y'all remember the story of Joseph in Egypt? Back in Genesis chapter number 37, Joseph had a dream and uh, his father loved him and gave him a coat of many colors and uh, his other 11 brothers, uh, excuse me, it was, uh, well, yeah, it was 10 or 11. I don't know if Benjamin was there yet, but anyway, the point is they had, he had 11 other brothers and they despised him because he was his father's favorite. And you know what they did to Joseph? They sold him into slavery. They was going to kill him. They was going to knock him off. Right, and, and they sold him into slavery and uh, the, the, the slave drivers took him into Egypt and he, and he ended up in this dude uh, Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife uh, wanted to sleep with him but Joseph was right before God and said no way, no how and he took off running and uh, Potiphar's wife ratted out Joseph and said well he tried to sleep with me when really it was the other way around and Joseph ended up in prison because he was wrongly accused sold into slavery by his brethren so now Joseph is in, is in prison and, and God's got his favor and his blessing on him. But you can't see that from the outside looking in. But it, it, it depends on how you look at it. Depends on that perspective, buddy. Depends on what kind of lenses and filters you got going on. How you view your circumstances. Because you want to know what happened. Joseph got up out of prison. And I'm going to hurry up this story because I want to get to the next point. Joseph got out of prison and then he's number two in Egypt. He's number two in Egypt, and at the, at the end of the book of Genesis, uh, all his brothers are now coming to Joseph because they're starving, they need food, and Joseph is number two because God has exalted him through the, all of these circumstances, all of these hardships and trials. Uh, God put him at number two, and his brethren come to him because they're hungry. It's a famine in the land, and Joseph said, Look, y'all, come on. I want to feed you. I want to take care of y'all. I love you. And his brethren found it. It was Joseph, and they said, Man, uh, you're going to kill us. We did this to you and that and the other. And Joseph said, no, y'all meant it for evil. What you did to me, you meant it for evil. But you know what? God, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. You look at your circumstances right now, and friend, you can probably find some people that are trying to do you some evil. But my friend, God means it for good. God means it for good. So often we ask, why did this happen to me? See, God uses circumstances to prove us and to try us and to teach us. So maybe in 2020 you need to stop praying, God, get me out of these circumstances, and God, change these circumstances. And maybe your prayer needs to be, God, enlighten my eyes to the purpose of my circumstances. Help me to see them the way you see them. God, enlighten our eyes to see our circumstances the way that you see them. Number two... God enlighten our eyes to the people we're around. I gotta check, make sure the notes and what I'm saying is right. God enlighten our eyes to the people we're around. Hey, how do you view the relationships you have right now? Your wife is more than a dishwasher. Come on, ladies, give me some. Huh? Your wife is more. Thank you, baby. Your wife is more than a dishwasher. Hey, uh, your husband is more than a roommate. How do you view your relationships? Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Right? How do you view the relationships? How do you view uh, God? Enlighten our eyes to the people around us. How do you view your relationships, your friendships, the people that you're around? How do you view your extended family? You know, well, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family, preacher. Right? How many of y'all know that saying? Well, you can't pick your family. I love my family, by the way. I got some family here. I love my family. But you, but you know what? You can pick how you view your family. You can pick how you see your family. And you can pick how you treat your family. How do you view your children? Do you view them as the next uh, NFL football star? Do you view them as uh, uh, your big ticket to retirement? Guess not. <laughs> hey, look, children, listen. Listen, y'all. <laughs> That's a good one, right? Y'all kidding? I mean, y'all think I'm kidding. There's people that believe that, right? All right, but look here. Children are opportunities that God has given us. Children are our opportunities to raise in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to foster and to, uh, uh, to, to raise that life in a home that glorifies and loves Jesus. Because look, the things that are seen, they're temporal. But the things that are not seen, they're eternal. And these children, uh, uh, they're, they're matters of stewardship. How are we stewarding their little minds and their little hearts and all of their little relationships? How do we view our children? Hey, what's going to be left of the church when our children are our age? How do we view the people we're around? God, enlighten our eyes. Help us to see, God, the way that you see as a, uh, the, the fruit of the womb being the blessing of the Lord. And God, an opportunity to glorify you and raise up another soul that loves Jesus and trusts you as their Savior because you're worthy of the reward for the suffering that you went through. How do we view our children? How do we view people in church? How do we view other people in church? How do we view people out in the world? How do we view strangers? How do we view other cultures, races, backgrounds? How do you view the people around you? You know, when Jesus was uh, feeding the multitude of 5,000, he, uh, I love these stories, is uh, Mark chapter number 6 and verse 34, where uh, Jesus, the, uh, he's getting away with his disciples and the, and the multitude comes after him. And it's over 5,000 people, y'all. And Jesus saw the multitude. You know what the Bible says? He was moved with compassion. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. How did Jesus see people? He saw them simply as people needing guidance. And when you see that person at the restaurant later on, when you see that person at the gas station, when you get to work tomorrow, how do you view the people out in the world? Do we see them as Jesus sees? Do we see them as people just needing guidance? As not really knowing the way and doing the best they can and maybe their perspective is wrong, but I shouldn't move on them and judge them and and be hateful toward them? How do you view people, church? God enlighten our eyes. Jesus saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion because he saw people that needed guidance. He fed 4,000 too in Mark chapter number 8 and he wasn't going to send them away hungry lest they faint in the way. He he saw them as having need and so he fulfilled the need. Is that how you view people? Is that how you view needs? 
the needs of people. My friend, I can promise you when you come to Jesus with a need, he don't send you away empty. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. And bless God, may we stop sizing up people to see if they deserve it. The truth is, none of us deserve help. None of us deserve provision. None of us deserve grace. Can I get a witness? Right? None of us deserve that. That's why it's grace. It's unmerited. There's nothing that anybody can do to deserve it. But so many times we're only nice to people if we think they deserve it. God, help me. God, help me enlighten my eyes. God, help me to see people the way that you see people. Hey, we need to stop seeing people as an inconvenience. Get out of my way. I got somewhere to be. Stop seeing people as an inconvenience. Hey, have you ever considered the value? I'm going to be on this point for a little minute, so just hang on there. Have you ever considered the value of people? Have you ever considered the value of people? I heard a message this this last summer, and it was wonderful, so I want to share it with you. It was about what determines value. And the preacher, his name was Dean Miller, he gave five words that determine value. The first one was creativity. Creativity. You take a, a canvas from the store and you let me paint something on it, it ain't worth much. But you get that same canvas and you give it to uh, Van Gogh or Monet or one of them other highfalutin artists, and man, it's worth millions. Creativity determines value. And my friend, can I tell you that God has created each and every one of us? God has created that person that you'll see later on? God has uh, created that cousin that you don't like? Creativity, that determines value. The second one was potentiality. Well, I like that one. Uh, When something has potential, that helps determine its value. And you may not have been the person you wanted to be in 2019, but my friend, 2020 is broad and straight ahead of you, and the potential is full to put your faith in God and say, God, I want to follow you. I want to live my life for you. Potentiality determines value. And God has potential for each and every one of our lives. I'm going to preach one about potential and about a seed. And uh, just, uh, man, one of these days, that's a good one, potential. The, the third uh, word that determined value was durability. Durability. I bought these at Goodwill. They were about $20. But they're almost new. But they're like a $100 pair of shoes. And uh, so I spent the $20, you know, and uh, got me a good pair of shoes. But if I, if I, if I went to a... a um, like a pay less or something, and paid for a $20 pair of shoes brand new, they wouldn't last very long, would they? Right? They, they would wear out pretty quickly. Um, but, uh, but because uh, of their durability, they have more value. And my friend, you and I, every single person in here sitting in a chair and listening online everywhere else, uh, every single one of us is going to live somewhere forever. Durability. Your soul is going to last forever. You're going to live forever somewhere. There's a place called heaven, and there's a place called hell. Your soul will live there uh, forever and ever. One of the two places. Durability. That's what determines value. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about the value of people. How do we view people? The value of people. Uh, the, the next one was rarity. Rarity. You know, uh, uh, the, the illustration that the guy used was uh, gold is worth more than dust. Right? Because you can find dust anywhere. You can find dust on the floor. But you go try to find some gold, and it's rare. That's what gives it value. There's none else. There's not, there's not many like it. Can I tell you, I'm looking in eyes all across this auditorium, and every single one of you is rare. There's none like each and every one of you. You're one of a kind. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what that is? That's value. 
That's value. And when you look at the cashier in her eyes, when you go to pay for your Pepsi and your Snickers, just remember that uh, that's value. It's not a person that's holding you up. It's not a person that's an inconvenience. How do we view people? God, enlighten our eyes. God, take off the filters. God, help us to see from the right perspective. The last one is desirability. That's the last word that determines value. What determines value? Desirability. What you willing to pay for it? Huh? How many of y'all, how many of y'all sold something and uh, somebody was like, well, what you want for it? Well, what you willing to pay for it, right? Hey, that's what determines value. How bad somebody wants it. I remember an old rugged cross about 2,000 years ago where there was a lot of desirability that was displayed. You know, we often look at the cross of Jesus Christ as the consequence for our sin. But really, the, the, the cross of and it, and it was that. And it, and it did display the consequence of sin. The wages of sin is death, right? Uh, it did display the consequence of our sin. But you know, we don't often look at it in this way. It also displayed our value. What was someone willing to pay to save your soul? Desirability. That's what helps determine value. How many of y'all are glad that when you didn't want God, God still wanted you? How do you view people? Billy Graham, I love Billy Graham. He's an evangelist of old and he's with the Lord now. I know many of you know the name, Billy Graham. He looked upon the hundreds and thousands of faces that he preached to in his evangelistic crusade. And he said when he looked out into the crowd... He said, I see the objects of God's love. I see the objects of God's love. In 2020, God enlightened our eyes to see people like you see them. And lastly, number three, enlighten our eyes to our walk with Christ. How do you view your relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about uh, your good deeds you did so that other uh, people would see you. How do you view your relationship with Jesus Christ? I've learned this, that it's real easy to go through the motions of religion and leave Jesus behind. We just celebrated Christmas and we, and we looked at Luke chapter number 2. And you know what's interesting? At the end of the chapter, Billy, uh, at the end of the chapter, Jesus is about 12 years old. And the Bible says that uh, his parents, Mary and Joseph, went down to Jerusalem every year for Passover. Man, they never missed. Every single year they went down. Every single year they did what they were supposed to do. Every single year they were where they were supposed to be. And then when they were heading back to Nazareth on that 12th year or whatever... They, uh, they supposed Jesus to be with them in the caravan going back to Nazareth. But lo and behold, Jesus wasn't with them. Twelve-year-old Jesus was still back in Jerusalem. They had gone about their way, going through the motions, and they left Jesus behind. I wonder, in your walk with Jesus Christ, have you gone through the motions? Have you been checking your boxes? Have you been doing your thing? And you left Jesus behind some days ago. How about it's time to turn back? And say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I, I, I want to I restore what we had. I want to I continue in my walk with you. How do you view your relationship with Jesus Christ? And see, Christianity is not a religion. Come on, I'm going to keep preaching it until I'm dead. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Because someone loved me and he died to save my soul. Of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
enlighten our eyes, God, to our identity in Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. You can't, you ain't got nothing on me because Jesus saved my soul and washed my soul in his rich red royal blood. And I thank God I'm going to heaven, not because of anything I've done, but all because of what he's done. Hallelujah. God, enlighten our eyes to this. Enlighten our eyes, God, to your promises. Oh, I'm telling you, all things work together for good. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God gives grace. Uh, God's grace is sufficient for each one of us. That's promises. God, enlighten our eyes to your promises. God, enlighten our eyes to your desire for closeness with us. God, enlighten our eyes for our need for intimate communication with you. I don't know about y'all. I do know about y'all. Your perspective might be wrong. I'm not, I'm not just a number. I'm not just a chair. I'm not just a seat. I'm not just a number. I'm not just a social security card. He knows my name. He created me. He shed his blood for me. And I want to live for him. And God, I want you to enlighten my eyes this year in 2020 to my relationship, my walk. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to leave you behind. I want to walk with you and I want to know you better. God, enlighten our eyes. When Christ was crucified and his blood was shed, the the veil of the temple was torn, opening the way so that I may come unto him into the holy place boldly and unashamed. Maybe you know Jesus in one way and and you view Him in only that way. In your relationship with Jesus, is He your Savior? That's how you begin a relationship with Jesus. You trust Him as your Savior. And then He becomes your Savior. But, But many of us stop at that point. Many of us only see that, yeah, He was kind of the scapegoat and paid for my sins and praise God, I don't have to go to hell now. But is Jesus your counselor? Is he the one that you go to in time of need? Is he your provider? How are you viewing? How are you seeing Jesus? How are you viewing his, your walk with him? Is he your father? He certainly is. Do you see him that way? Is he your rock? I hear about spouses saying, Oh, my husband's my rock. My wife, boy, she's my rock. And I, my wife is my best friend next to Jesus. How do you view your walk, your relationship with Him? Is He your Lord? Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? God, help us to see our relationship as you see it. Hey, what or who in your life have you been looking at in the wrong way? It's time we as Christians and as a church ask God to enlighten our eyes. I believe this, if, if, if we'd ask God to enlighten our eyes to our circumstances, we'd be happier. We'd have more joy. Because God gives joy despite the circumstances. We'd also mature going through and learning the lessons that God wants us to learn. If God would enlighten our eyes to the people around us, we could see the church increase to hundreds of people that come to know Jesus Christ personally through the love and the action that's displayed through the people sitting in this room. Hey, if you started viewing people the way God views it, we would would, uh, be busting out of this room, filling up this place. See, now this one, two, three, four, five, six, just on the front row, on the first half here, this is a scary thing. This is six chairs that are empty. 
couple other ones around here are empty. You know what, what's so scary about this? There's, it represents somebody that needs to know Jesus Christ. Somebody that needs to be saved, that needs to know that they, they've been created, that they're going to live forever somewhere, that God loves them and sent His only begotten Son to shed His blood for them. It's empty. It's got somebody's name reserved for it. Where are they? If we started viewing people the way that God views them, boy, we could fill them up. Let's fill them up. God enlighten our eyes. If He enlightened our eyes to our walk with Him, our relationship with Him would only grow sweeter and deeper. And you know, all three of these things are connected with one another. And the enlightening of our eyes is a, it's a process. It's, it's progressive. Being saved happens all at once. It's kind of a one and done thing. Okay, uh, Once you're saved, you're always saved. But if there's never been a time in your life when you've asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you need to do that. You need to, you need to ask Him. But the enlightening of our eyes, it's a process. Has your spiritual sight ever increased since you've been saved? Because remember, our physical sight, it's going to diminish. But our spiritual sight should increase. And God wants us to deal obediently with everything that He brings to our mind. What in your life have you been looking at wrong? What in your life do you have a filter on that you need God to take off? Hey guys, we, church, we got to humble ourselves and ask God to enlighten our eyes. And over the next few weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably bring two more messages about enlightening our eyes, about specific topics. So be in your place. Bring more friends. But this burden and this vision should not only fuel the remainder of 2020, it should fuel the remainder of our lives. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and thank you, Lord, for... The Word of God. Thank you, God, for enlightening my eyes and helping me to begin to see the areas in my life I need to improve on. God, the things I need to change. God, I see where my perspective has not been has not been in the right way. Lord, my view has been skewed. It's been influenced by different things, but Lord, at the end of the day, I want your opinion to, to dictate my view, to dictate my opinion. Father, would you enlighten each and every person in here, enlighten our eyes this year. God, help us to see as you see. I love you and I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Bless now in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name.